Well, the heat is on, folks, and we're feeling it. But if you think you're dry and parched, look at our grass and our gardens. I'm actually up at 6 a.m., still in my pajamas, furtively dashing outside to hook up a couple sprinklers before the heat of the sun begins later in the day. I have front yard gardens, backyard gardens, side of the house garden plots, little pine tree seedlings, new rose bushes, and new perennials, and the usual annual display of colorful blooms. By now, however, in our summer, the watering battle is in full force. Uh, and I am on a mission to keep everything, although that's slipping this week, from drying and drying up and dying. I've invested, as you probably have, many of you in your gardens, uh, in the beautification of my yard and the partnership with Mother Nature. So how can I turn a blind eye to my plants crying out for a drink? Besides, you've seen those results, haven't you? If you're willing to be dedicating to watering your plants or your grass within just a few hours of changing the spot, it's already greening. You can see the lime green stuff coming back to life again. Shriveled plants stand tall. Even brown, crunchy grass is back in bloom. In our gospel story today, Jesus' disciples wanted help. Lord, teach us to pray, they asked. What he's showing them uh, daily is new and demanding. Jesus being watched closely as well by the Roman officials, the authorities, the Jewish leaders. His lessons about loving one another, forgiving, forgiving 70 times 7 plus powers to heal the lepers and invite tax collectors and outcasts to dinner in your home. Uh, these are a little bit risque in that society for the disciples. Jesus' new vision, you see, where the rich go empty and the poor rise up is increasingly threatening to those disciples, to their safety. So you might say his disciples are becoming like our yards, parched, brown, baking in the heat of the sun, longing for hope and hydration and renewal each day for the mission to go on. The hard slog of discipleships getting totally discouraging. And the budding of Jesus' grand promises has slowed. Former bishop uh, in Minneapolis, Peter Rognes, says it this way, Your kingdom come. Jesus invites us to pray this. That's a little different than the grace, I say before meals, Come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. I mean that little prayer, says Rognus, a desire that every step and every moment and meal of my life finds the God we met in Jesus close to me. But for this God who came near to us in Jesus, that's not enough. He doesn't come alone. If his kingdom is to come, it is to be a life full of compassion and justice. And righteousness, it will build human community that reflects care for one another as Christ cared for us. It's a tall order. We modern disciples are baking in a summer of discontent. 
The heat keeps rising in our global village of hatred and mistrust. We see violent massacres of innocents week after week, day after day. Here and abroad, last week, we observed the unrest in our political convention, and this week we have another go at it in Philadelphia. We are so very thirsty for hope and peace and understanding to take root in all races and all nations at war within us and around us. But what shall we do, Lord? How can your kingdom come through us? So listen again to our gospel readings. Last week, if you were here, you remember the gospel was about the two sisters, Mary and Martha, inviting Jesus to come to dinner at their home. One sister, Martha, was very distracted in the kitchen, making dinner for him, getting the pots and plants clean and table set. While Mary chose the other side, she sat at Jesus' feet, undistracted, undivided focus, listening to his every word. And Jesus commended Mary's choice over the busyness and housework her sister did to welcome him. And this morning's reading builds on that lesson for us all in our prayer life. Jesus starts the day himself alone in prayer with his God, undisturbed and undistracted. Lines of divine communication are wide open. Speaking and listening, I imagine, with the Holy Spirit presence among all of it. Framing that day's goals for Jesus, who eventually returns to the disciples to ask, who then ask him as he returns, Lord, teach us to pray. Teach us to do what you do and communicate the way you do with God. And he begins then by giving them the petitions to the Lord's Prayer. Before we go further, though, it's important to take note the major example that Jesus sets at the beginning of the day or the start of a great mission or enterprise, Jesus goes away alone and communes with his Father without distraction. He doesn't worry about his laptop or his PowerPoint presentation coming up pretty soon. He doesn't skip the spiritual habit because he's making a speech before the Jewish council. No, he first connects with his heavenly Father, listening and inquiring in prayer. You might say he sits at his Father's feet as he praised Mary for doing when he came to her house for dinner. And he had plenty to get done, saving us from sin, curing the blind, the lame, empowering followers to bring God's kingdom into their midst, still he models the essential importance of prayer to shaping and guiding our life and calling our part to task in making the kingdom of God bloom and blossom daily. You know, prayer isn't a laundry list of to-dos for God. Sometimes I feel that's what we do. Heal so-and-so, help me find work, Bring peace in our time, Lord, because I'm out of here. I got stuff to do. So here you go, God. And then we say, Amen. When we really are to listen when we pray, for it's a two-way conversation. We know that. 
God has empowered the Holy Spirit to be part of our prayer life as well. She will lead and empower us to become part of the solution. And in our prayers, we offer ourselves to God's service to make this broken world a better place, to bridge the divide between God's children. And from the day of our baptism, or at least as soon as we're able, our to receive the Holy Spirit's coaching, the Holy Spirit's cheerleading, she will guide us and give us a vision especially for us, uniquely defined by our gifts and our talents in this world, to give vision and hope to others. Now, I'm not holding myself up as a model here for prayer life. I, like you, struggle mightily with the list of chores to do, and people to serve, and new social justice programs to support here. It's all a tempting menu of trying to make a difference in our hurting world. And I have good intentions for daily prayer life, but I fail more often than I succeed. Someone once said, God often visits us, but most of the time we're not at home. Or one could say God's waiting for a visit from us, but we only take time for a quick wave and we keep on moving down the road. It's the real story of my well-intentioned desire with my neighbor on the park where I live. Every day I walk uh, the two-mile trail and I pass by the same little house where 90-year-old Anne lives, my neighbor. She's a sweetheart. I always think I should really go in there and talk with her. She lives alone, and it's a very hot kind of a season right now. But what we do is we have a deal. When I go by or my husband goes by, we generally stop. We look at her door. Usually the door is open. We go like this, and we wave, and pretty soon little Anne comes with her white hair, and she's going like this, and we wave, and then I say goodbye, and I keep moving down the trail. I have often thought, why don't you stop and go inside and sit down with her? But I'm always running late. And that monologue in my head continues, and I haven't stopped for months. So today, fellow missionaries, we are reminded that God wants us to stop waving, if that's what we're doing, and to come inside and sit down at his feet. He wants to be in dialogue with us daily. And he gave us the Lord's Prayer as a model, as a beginning. And the Holy Spirit is ready and able as our muse to guide us. And God wants us to find our parched, dry souls refreshed and watered and hydrated by the Spirit's presence and encouragement. She will give us new vision and new courage each day. But as Rabbi Kushner once said, the issue is not what God is like. The issue is what kind of people we become when we attach ourselves to God. So as a famous highway billboard campaign put it years ago, you may remember the black and white board, something from God is spoken, and in God's voice the billboard says to us, We need to talk. God. Amen.